Tis the season to shine with H&M. Discover the holiday collection and find fashionable pieces for your wardrobe or for under the tree. Get inspired and dazzle with this year's glam. From tuxedo styles, bow detailed pieces, impressive prints, and more. From unforgettable looks to unforgettable gifts. With fashion finds to home decor, find it all at H&M. Treat your loved ones and yourself this season. Shop in-store or at hm.com. You got to respect the fact that I'm dropping podcasts every single week, posting vlogs on my YouTube channel. Find my YouTube channel at BurtBurtBurt.com and subscribe. 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 I'm 42 and I'm saying subscribe. Like me. Post me. Share me. (laughs) Uh, I'm a little under the weather only because it was my birthday yesterday and the girls through a surprise for me. They they got owls and they had owls come to <laughs> come to my house and I had owls everywhere. I don't know if the surprise was more for them or me, but we had a live animal show with owls. It was a blast. I'm in Dayton this weekend, Irvine in a couple weekends. Go to burtburtburt.com, get some merch, subscribe to my YouTube. Just go to burtburtburt.com once today. Just once. Subscribe to my YouTube channel. And check out my videos. I'm posting vlogs and I like notes. I do. I sincerely do. Not bullshit dick ones. But notes of like, hey man, you could have left out that part. Because I don't know. I'm not an editor. And I'm learning. Check out my three vlogs. See if they've gotten better. I think they have exponentially. I've taken out my speaking. Anyway, uh, that's that. Today's guest, a hilarious comedian. I ran him to the airport. I ran into him at the airport in Phoenix and... uh he called me out in the funniest fucking way possible. And I feel like I have uh, connective history with him. I feel like in a weird way my success is due to his success. And I'll tell him about it. He's hilarious. You might know him from his Netflix. You might know him from his Netflix special or Last Comic Standing. Ladies and gentlemen, Chris Porter. This is Check one seventeen. You, that's 23 me. perfect that's 31. perfect yeah um i was saying the, the thing that i'm also i'm like obsessive compulsive about media right now like i'm all I, man my mind was really blown by these fucking vloggers who, yeah yeah my, you know it's like I, i've been in i've been in television production for so long that i just i thought that was it and i was like where's everything going and then and then Recently, I've just gotten attached, attached to these two vloggers, Casey Neistat and this guy Ben Brown. Yeah, and they put out some pretty cool, pretty interesting shit. Like you know, like you know how sometimes you get depressed on the road, and you'll be like Sunday, and you'll be like, I just, and like this is gonna sound really n- maybe narcissistic or whatever, but like a hurricane's coming through, yeah. and you end up like it starts it touch it's about to touch ground Saturday. You go to two shows, then you come back at like two in the morning, and you turn on the Weather Channel, and you sit there, and you're like, God, I hope they're covering the fucking tornado, yeah. or the hurricane. Uh, oh yeah. Um, that's when what I, when I, the Malaysian flight went down, that's all I watched for six weeks. I'm so glad to know I'm not the only one that almost like I get it itches an, an emotional need of mine of some sort. Well, especially I mean, especially with the Malaysian thing, like we fly so much. Yeah. So <clears throat> to the idea of you can definitely empathize with that, like that idea of being on a plane into nowhere and oh. I, 
And what's, you know, what's going on, especially before they figured out, all right, it's in the middle of the Indian Ocean, especially when there was that week or two where they're like, someone might have this plane. Yeah. Like, you're just like, what is happening? And so, and yeah, I can, it just gives you some, well, and it's like sports in that way. Yeah. Like, it just gives you something to hold on to, I feel like. Yeah. I'm one of those people I was saying to my wife today that I have. Uh, maybe I don't have a connection with reality, but like, like when JFK's plane went down, yeah, I literally was thinking, oh, you I mean should, I should, JFK Jr. Yeah, 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 I was like, I should get a boat and go look for him because I bet he's still treading water. Like in my head, I believe that. I oh, go, really? Oh, I am one of those people that I go like. That's one of the problems that if I if one of my children ever God forbid anything ever happened to them, I'd yeah. be like, oh, I'll never stop looking. Oh yeah, because I believe I believe in miracles. Well, just just so you know, he wasn't. <laughs> He wasn't. He was. Yeah. He was in a couple of pieces. Yeah, he does. I wonder. Like, I, I wonder. I think about plane crashes a lot, and I yeah. wonder what, how that, how you die. Uh, well, JFK died because he was going. He was upside down, thinking the ocean was the sky. What is that? How he died? Mm-hmm. He thought he was upside he down. Got, he got. How is that even fucking possible? Well, when everything's blue, especially like dusk and stuff, like. I would think you at one point you would just spit and see which way your spit was going. Yeah. And be like, okay, that's down. Uh, but JFK, you know, I guess, you know, when you're a Kennedy, you don't spit. Yeah. So, or some, or just something to figure out where gravity is taking things. But if you're just using your visual, especially when you're facing forward, the horizon can become very blurry at certain times. And he, he, well, it was about dusk when he, that's crazy. And he's yeah. flying with a broken fucking foot. I was thinking about t- taking flying lessons this December. It's all, it's all, would, yeah, if you can do it, do it. Only because I have a fear, I have a really bad fear of flying still to this day. You were fine on the plane I saw you on. A little. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I like to have but a, I've I always have a couple enough. cocktails before I fly. A couple? Yeah. Oh, okay. not just one. To no, like not just, no, not just one. Oh, okay. No one's gonna fucking, what's that? It's gonna, well, I was just pissing like... on a forest fire. <laughs> <laughs> I have a couple. It's so funny. I always, as, when I saw you, I was like, I wonder, I was like, wonder if, I wonder if he got high before he flew. I did. Yeah. I got, <laughs> I got high before I do anything just about. Really? Yeah. When was the first time you smoked pot? I was 19. I was a late starter. Really? Yeah. I do didn't... you think that's why you like it? Because you started late and you got to embrace it without terrible fear of like breaking your brain at 13. I think that's why I can do it and be productive. Really? Just because like, and that's what I tell kids like, you know, that come up to me and, you know, especially with the Netflix, Netflix thing out, you can, you start to open up to that, that younger demographic. And so it's like, you got kids that come to the shows that they can and you're just like, you know, like, I'd love to get high with you. And you're just like, man, no, don't do it. Like, yeah. you're, it's like your brain is a house. And until you're 18, you're building the foundation. And you don't want your, if your foundation's fucked up, you're screwed. I fucked up. I think I've, I think I fucked up my foundation when I was 14. Like, yeah, I like, definitely, I de- that's when we started smoking pot. And that is, and I definitely had two yeah. instances where I thought I was losing my mind. Dude, we're in your man cave that has two flat screens. You didn't fuck up at any point. <laughs> I know, but like, but like, like I still to this day, like, like smoking any edible is a white knuckle situation because I'm like, this could go one of two ways. Yeah, (laughs) but that's I think that's just anybody. I don't think that has to do with age. I think I think especially edibles affect some some people just way more. Yeah, I think you have to. 
Like the edible thing, like I do it because I've smoked so much that edibles are like that next move. Like if you're going to go see a concert, it's edibles? Yeah, uh, no, an edible for me is usually I'm on the couch. Really? Yeah, I'll do like a little bit of an edible if I don't think I'm going to smoke for a while. And yeah, I'm going to a concert or something. Yeah. Like I wish I'd done an ed- like Me and John Huck forgot to eat our edibles before we went to Seeger. And then we got in there, and it was the most Nazi regime doing security. Like, they asked us if we were smoking weed, and we actually weren't. Really? I mean, we just looked like guys that were. I fucking love to go see a Bob Seger show. That was Where, where was that? That was at the Forum, and yeah. I was super lucked out. I was doing shows in Detroit, and his trombone player was at them, and we became friends. And he was like, yeah, come on out. I got tickets, and I came out, and... Sat there and it was great. He did like four encores, and then really? at the end of the third one, Huck looks at me. He goes, "He do night moves." Good. He didn't do night moves. Here he comes right back Shut out. The fuck one up. more encore, night moves. Show's over. Oh, uh, it was great. And then <clears throat> I was talking to the trombone player afterwards. I was like, "You know, we're backstage." I was like, "So, you know, where's Bob?" He was like. That dude walks off stage, gets in a town car, gets on his plane, and goes to whatever house is closest. Really? Yeah. He's not a stick-around party guy? No, he's not a stick-around party guy. And I've I've been able to become friends with another guy who's, like, at that level. And I went to one of his shows, and it, it, was, it was... He he came up to me, he goes, at the end of... Towards the end of the last song, go get in the Suburban. And I was like, okay. And so at the end of the last, towards the end of the last song, me and his manager got in the Suburban. He came off stage, got in the Suburban, and we drove away. Yeah. Who the fuck's that? Can you say? Uh, yeah, well, I Instagram it, so it's Kid Rock. Yeah. Shut the fuck up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, he, and that's another thing, like, this Netflix thing has just. What's the Netflix thing? I got it. I did a special. Yeah. Put it on, got it on Netflix. It's an hour. Yeah. And it's just like the Bob. Kid Rock found it, and next thing I know, I'm getting booked on his cruise. You're doing Kid Rock's cruise? I did his cruise, and then, because my agent called. I did a carnival cruise once, Yeah, and I called him from the boat going, never, <laughs> ever again am I phone? doing this. <laughs> like, not doing this. At, just in case I kill myself <laughs> before I get off this boat, I want you to know it's kind of your fault. <laughs> and... Uh, so he called me, and he's like, listen, I know you said no cruises, but it's Kid Rock Cruise. I think it's probably going to be a cooler vibe. And it was. It was way cooler. Dude, I've heard about that. I think I read about that in Rolling Stone magazine. It was. Or in, like, Esquire. Oh, yeah. It was Party Central. It's it's the the Kid Rock revolutionized the cruise. I mean, I guess I'm sure there's a few bands. I know yeah. 311 does 311 something like does it. it. Sister Hazel does it. Sister the, Hazel does remember it? Remember them? Wait. Yeah. What is it? Is that a barefoot cruise? <laughs> it, it's a barefoot cruise for like my dad. And, Sister uh, Hazel. Sister Hazel does a cruise. Uh, I think Alice Cooper might even do one now. I'd love to do a comedian cruise. It's I don't know why we don't so, have one. Um, I don't think anyone would go. Really? I mean, maybe if they did like an oddball cruise, it, it would probably be a really cool vibe. But yeah. like, oh, what you, am I saying? I'd probably never get invited you to it. Definitely want. Some music because it's vacation. Like, no one wants to hear comedy all day, every day. Like, it, that would turn in the most cynical <laughs> yeah. boat on the planet. And how would you like to be the guy that goes up day three at night? Like, yeah. they've, they've heard everything. <laughs> yeah, I guess they've that's literally a good point. heard everything. Yeah. 
but with me, I was the only comic on the boat. Really? And yeah, I did. And you just worked the comedy club? Yeah, I did. I did the inner theater. Like we did. I did the theater because like I was the thing to do that night. And so Shit. walked in and I had to do two completely different shows, which was hard, which made me I basically for two days beforehand had to listen to my first two records over and over and over again. That's good, though, because it makes it makes you it's like you're working. Yeah, it is like you're working, but it's not. All, it's also it's just like it's like oh, that's how that joke used to go. And, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, it, but it's like it's only work for that one show because it's not like I I don't do any of those bits anymore. Right, they're all dead to you. So wait, so the, Tom Skura's Netflix special really kind of launched him too. Yeah, like the Netflix specials, right at the right time too. Like they just kind of exploded. Yeah, well, the thing is, is like I think with Netflix is it, it's about the product, like you know. So with Comedy Central and stuff, it's not only it's not always about the product because if you put out a great special, but it comes out on a Friday night that there's a big basketball game, you're fucked. No one's watching your show, and then and then the ratings suck. So then Comedy Central never shows it again, and then you're stuck yeah. on their app, which no one has. Yeah. With Netflix, it's just there, and everyone—it's like a book on a shelf, and they can come and grab it. Or they and it's—and it's one of the top five usually. So people look at comedy yeah. and they go, "Oh, I haven't—I haven't seen this, but it's—it's it's up there. It's right. It's got ninety-five stars or whatever." Absolutely, and so—and that's what—and that's how Kid Rock found me. He was like, "I saw your, saw the cover of your photo. You look like a guy who'd be in a band." So I played you, and the first five minutes got me. So, you know, so I booked you on the cruise. And then we just kind of hit it off, and now I I do a bunch of his events. That's so fucking cool. And now it's yeah, you know, now he's just a buddy. I was explaining to Georgia, my oldest. We walked today. Yeah. She said, "Who do you have on the podcast today?" I said, "Chris Porter." She goes, "Who is he?" I said, "You know, it's interesting." I said, "He's very instrumental into in my career." I don't know if you know this. I maybe I've told you this. Uh uh-uh. uh I haven't told you this. No. I said to her, "I said it's a it's a time." I, I'm about to negate all of that because I'm going to tell. I'm but and I'll tell you that right now. But like. I said to him, I said, I remember when, uh, right after you did Last Comic Standing 4, Yep. Um, I just had Isla, uh, I was not headlining, I was featuring, yeah. and me, Tom Skura, me and Ian Bag used to do headline Brea, like, every Tuesday night. Yeah. We'd switch off and then tag team a lot of the nights. And one night they called up and they're like, guy named Chris Porter's coming into headline, but he's just showcasing, so we're going to have him do like. 20 minutes 30 35 minutes 30 minutes yeah and they're like but we've sold tickets to the show so we'd like to have another comic co-headline with him do you mind going last and uh and i was like sure so i walked in knew nothing about you yeah nothing at all i don't know if you remember this show no um me matt fultron and you that was it fultron okay. did like 10 you did 30 destroyed and then and everyone was there to see you your agents your managers hartman aaron oh yeah everyone was there to see you and I, but I didn't know any of that really. All I knew is that I was like, "What the fuck's everyone doing here?" And Voltron's <laughs> like, "It's Chris Porter." I go, "Who is he?" He's like, "Yeah, he's on Last Comic Standing. I don't think it had aired yet, yeah. but you were getting ready to do a co-headlining tour." So I sat in the back and I was jealous. I was like, "You were young. You were funny as fuck. You seemed super confident on stage, and things were happening for you. Like, yeah. like everyone's coming to see you." And I was like, "Motherfucker!" I remember sitting in the green room going. How do, like how do you? I was telling Georgia today. I go. It's very difficult as a comic when yeah. you are jealous because you watch people succeed. 
but you can't help but respect them being talented. Yeah. I said it's a weird, really weird muscle that flexes because you go, you go. I'm, I'm laughing. I can't not laugh. Yeah. <laughs> but I want to be in his situation. Yeah. I want. I want things to happen for me. She said, "What happened?" I said, "Well, he got off stage and he did a tour. He's still. He's a very big comic now." But I said, "But that night, Aaron just happened to stick around and see my set." And I said, "I didn't get offered the kind of money Chris got." But I said. I got offered 13 dates because of that one show. Wow. And so and so, and so for being for just kind of shutting your shit down and just going like I know these are emotions I'm having, yeah. but I need to be grateful for the opportunities I'm presented with. Absolutely. And I said and, and she said are you jealous of him now? And I said, "No, I'm very I said I'm very proud to call him a friend. Like yeah. I love him. Every time I run into him at a concert, I catch up with him and I said, you know, I look at him as like a very positive light in my life because had he not gotten on last comic standing had he not given gotten given those opportunities i would have never gotten my opportunities in life i said i really find like a, a connection in our careers and then you tell me that creed rock stuff and i start going i'm jealous again <laughs> <laughs> but like it's yeah. like so cool well if you saw my apartment you'd be like no i'm all right <laughs> no but I'm it's like right. it's so cool when like like when you see guys that you respect that yeah. like then you see people that are like celebrities going oh i fucking love their stuff and you're like it makes you feel like you're on the right path i go i knew i knew good comedy it's good but yeah and it's also like it's good to be for lack of a better word competitive like i see my peers like eliza is one of those people like eliza and i are best friends yeah uh and i love her to death but it's like i'll be driving down beverly and i see a billboard of her and i'm like oh all right that's your, okay. I need to go home and write. I need to, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I need, okay, I need to get that shit done. I, I, because it's out there. Not, I, and not that I think that I'm, not that I think just because Eliza does it that I can do it, but I just know because we're peers. And it's like, uh, that's where I need to be. Dude, and I'll say this, I'll say this, and I've said this to Tom Segura. Tom Segura, when I, when I was young, I was featuring for Jay Moore. Tom Segura came in and started hosting. So it was like, so you know, you get that hierarchy of like, I'm above him. He's below me. Yeah. And then Tom's Netflix special came out, and we both did Philadelphia. He did it the weekend before me, and I did it the weekend after him. And he sold out all his shows a week in advance. And I remember going, I wonder how mine are doing. I pulled in on Thursday, and they're like, your Thursday's a little light. Yeah. Late show Friday and Saturday is sold out. We think the other ones will sell. And I started going, but, and, but it's well, like you said, I don't, by no means, I love Tom's girl. I don't begrudge him any anything yeah. but success i want him to have success but i start going that next week i had to do baltimore and i was like bert you need to get on your fucking game absolutely you've been slacking you need to fucking work on this next hour special i'm doing i'm like i need to work on it i need, yeah. to, get, I need to make sure it's fantastic because let me tell you something everyone else has been inspired by other people and it, like you said with the lies and you're like i need to fucking get on my game i need to do yeah i need to do the best i can on that same token there are definitely people out there that when they get success you're like what the fuck <laughs> yes like, don't get me wrong. I don't want you to think that I'm a perfect person and that everyone has success. And I'm like, good for them. And they deserve it. No, there's definitely some people out there like, are you fucking kidding me? Are you? Oh, oh it's so true. It's so true. There's so many. There's, there are people that you just go, what the fuck? <laughs> like, I, I'm moving home. Fuck this. Like, there's no right. Like, some people, you're like, that is the cosmos going, yes, they worked hard and they yes, got it. And yes. then there's other people where you're like, it's just a fucking crapshoot. You're just, 
fucking stick in your dick in a dark closet. Oh, oh. oh that's so true. That's so true. Oh. Um, it was like, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Where you're just like, what the fuck? Like, what? and and it's not usually the people that you would think. Like, I don't knock Dame. I don't no. knock Dalia. Like that. Dalia's fucking funny on stage. Yeah. But, you know, whether what's behind, you know, is he saying anything? No, not really. But he, Dalia is not that guy. Yeah, well, it's not. Yeah, he's not. Look, I'm not that guy either. I'm not going to be fucking Louis. I'm not going to yeah. be. I'm not going to deconstruct our, our society and then be able to d- recite it to you in two minutes on Conan. Absolutely. I'm not Bill. I can't do what Bill does either. Yeah. I love know. what they do, but I can't do it. I do what I do. I tell fucking stories. Yeah. And I maybe tell some dick jokes and some pussy jokes. Yeah. And then a bunch of jokes about my kids and I'm done. I, and I wish I had a fucking, you know, but. But, and I'm sure there's a part of Bill that wishes he could tell a story like you tell a story. Man, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, we all do what we do. I can't do a Russian accent. So, like, I can't <laughs> yeah. be jealous of Chris because I, I don't fucking do that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's not the people you think. No. It's the people that you're like, oh, really? Like, and you're like, yeah. oh, f- yeah. It was funny that I was the guy that everyone was like, when I first started in the business, was I got a deal like six months in and I was working the door. Yeah. And everyone was like, what the fuck? Fuck this shitty business. Yeah. I mean, Patrice told me, you're, you're the reason I want to quit. And yeah. I, but and he's, he was my friend. Yeah. But he yeah, still yeah. was like, and so I got a real good head about that. That's a weird thing to say to your friend, by the way. Yeah. Well, <laughs> but Patrice had a lot of really. <laughs> I remember when I said to him, like, I'm so glad we're friends. He's like, we're not friends. He's uh, like, he's like, we're just, we work together. We work together and we like each other. We're not friends. And I was like, okay. And he was like, don't, don't get your feelings hurt. Just saying, like, are you going to pick me up at the airport? And in my head, I was like, no. He's like, well, then we're not friends. <laughs> he's like, I'm not picking you up at the airport. You're not picking me up at the airport. Yeah. I can't spend the night at your parents' house. We're not friends. <laughs> I was like, oh, those are good parameters of what friends are. <laughs> but... uh <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Where did where did you you started in, in Missouri? I started in Kansas City. Yeah, really. I always yeah. I said this the other day. I can't believe that the Chiefs are in Missouri. Yeah, like I I never when I hear Kansas City, I always think of Kansas City, Kansas. Although like, I know that that's the shitty one. That is the shitty one. Yeah, and and it sucks to say because when people say, "Are you from Kansas City, Kansas, or Kansas City, Missouri?" You're like, I'm always like, "Well, I'm from the Kansas side, but I didn't live in KCK." Because KCK proper is a shithole. Really? But there are sub, like, the rich suburbs of Kansas City metro yeah. are on the Kansas side. Not not that I grew up in them, but, uh, you know, people tend to live on the Kansas side and then work on the Missouri side. Really? All the, all the shit to do is on the, not that there aren't great areas of Missouri, yeah. of the Missouri side, but it just, you know... Mission Hills, which is like the elite of the elite, and then Johnson County is the Orange County of Kansas City. Basically, did you start doing stand up at the at Stanford and Sons? At Stanford and Sons in Westport, when it was when I went to Stanford and Sons, it was the original location that was old school, low ceilings, not deep. It was the most rock and roll comedy club of of its day. I felt like really uh, they. Of course, got you know the the men that run that club are inexplicable in their entire lives and how they lead it. So really? they got into a fight with the landlord, and the landlord's like, 
I can rent this out as office space. And they're like, the fuck you can. And they, then he did. <laughs> and it was so weird. I went the radio station offices and we were at that radio station, like a decade later, me and my dad doing press and I'm walking through it and I felt a weird vibe. I'm like, oh, I was like, this is weird. And then we turned and I recognized the stairwell and I was like, that is the old comedy club. And this is where I used to get high all the time. Shut and up. And my dad's like, real. He's like, you're right. This is it. And they, you, and I even walked back. I was like, oh, shit. Wait, who started with you? Does anyone that I know? Justin Leon, Tim Gaither. I know Tim Gaither. Uh, Emery. Emery was like our, he ran the open mic. And, and he really was, he, he manifested this great environment where, People would show up literally hours before the open mic, and we'd write, and we'd go over bits in front of everybody, almost like a dress rehearsal, and people would throw lines at you and stuff, like everyone at the open mic. Really? And then afterwards, they would take, they would have a pro in the back, or a guy that was just working the road, Yeah, and he would take notes on everybody, and the amateurs, you know, you could take what he said, tell him to go fuck himself, but it was just like, hey man, this is what I saw from your thing. Motherfucker, what a what and a So it was like this really great environment. And then Emery left and he handed it off to me and I was too young to deal with I didn't realize what it took to like run a room. And yeah. I think that's why I'll never do it. Like I've never booked a show out I'm here. I'm horrible at that. And it's just like because it people are children yeah. in situations like that. It's not even about comics. It's just people in general are children in that situation. So uh, and I was so then I handed it off to another guy. But, yeah, that's how the open mic was in Kansas City for years was very like, come in, let's get it done. Let's make this show funny. And uh, for a while there, we actually got quite a draw. But then, you know, like anything, it fades away. But. What? And then you started doing the road right away, right? Yeah. Well, it was I mean, that you had to in Kansas City. It's not like there were multiple clubs. So you would do the club and then. You know, luckily, geographically, Kansas City's literally center. So, Omaha, P, you know, Oak City, Wichita. There was seven or eight city towns that you could go hit up and that had comedy in them. So, you and your boys, would you'd put four of you in a van and you'd drive up there and one of you'd stay sober enough to drive home. Shut the fuck up. You were the guys, your your generation was, was the, the group of people that had passion for comedy but didn't feel the need to be to move to new york started comedy and did the road there's like i remember i just remember tommy john again is probably your age and yeah. him saying how many funny guys are on the road and I, i'd lived in new york and la and i assumed yeah. you were only funny if you lived in new york and la yeah and and then all of a sudden a bunch of you guys showed up were like into la but like seasoned like hard like 20 minutes for you was destructive yeah well, I mean, that was because, well, thank you, by the way. Um, I remember watching, I remember sitting and watching you with Matt Fultron thinking, they asked me to come in and co-headline, I don't know yeah. if I can follow this. The road is a weird thing, like, it's a great place to learn and to hone your craft, but it's also, you get in, you know, it's a one-man submarine, and you can get lost in deep water for years. Like, oh my gosh, you, what a brilliant analogy. And there's so many comics... That are, you know, I just, there were so many comics that I featured for and that are now featuring for me. Really? And you just, and, you know, it's not, 
you know, it's just they weren't they were never going to be that comic. They were never going to be the TV comic. They their stuff was too pedestrian, but they could crush a funny bone. Crush a funny bone. And and you, and but could not follow any of us because we were coming from somewhere unique and stuff like that. But you know, well, you didn't you didn't show up you you didn't show up with you showed up in L.A. with with not with with road chops, but L.A. material, like a voice, yeah, and well, perspective. And it was because, like, I kept my eyes open enough to see the pitfalls. Like, you could see the guys that it, you know, made a shit ton of money towards the end of the '80s, yeah, and rode out the '90s, and, and you know, like it was over. Like that, this is all they did. They. You know, some of those guys didn't have a place to live. Like, they were just on the road. They lived yeah. in comedy condos. And, like, you know, you just, even as even at 19, that did not look fun. Yeah. Well, how old were you when you started? I was 19 when I started. And, you know, the reason we did the road so much, at least I did the road, was I was like, I'm going to stay here until... I'm done with Kansas City because I saw so many people get seven minutes, crush an open mic, move to L.A., and be back in four months with no money. And, and oh, man. And never the same. Never and the never same. Never the same. It's so interesting. I always told – I always – I moved I, – I did stand-up one time. Yeah. Thought it went amazingly and then moved to New York. I was like, fuck it, I'll figure it out. Yeah. But that's, but that's the kind of person I am. If I had stayed in Florida and done stand-up, I never would have left. I yeah. would have never fucking left. I'm, very, I'm, a, I'm a guy that once I get comfortable doing something, yeah. I have a hard time getting uncomfortable. Well, that's again. just the body's natural reaction to want to get the fuck out of Florida. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. <laughs> I was just there for two weekends in a row. Your body eventually just goes... Something needs to make us leave. <laughs> Florida is such a weird fucking place. I didn't. I don't think I ever realized it growing up there. Mm. But I go back now and I'm like, oh, this this place is so confusing to people that don't didn't oh. grow up here. And if you go to different parts of it, it's like if you figure out Tampa, well, good for you because you're about to see Fort Lauderdale and it's a whole different <laughs> fucking mess. And fucking Live Oak is different than Jacksonville. Is oh. different than Orlando. Is Jacksonville's than- not Florida. That's South Georgia. Let's get real. <laughs> And then you go to the Panhandle. Oh man, oh, there's so many. Oh, the Redneck Riviera. It is such a confusing fucking place. But I, the I don't. The place I feel most comfortable is the Panhandle, and I think that's the Kansas boy in me. Yeah. But I go to the Panhandle. I'm like, this actually makes sense. It was so funny. We were, we, I think we got pulled over in Florida. I'm, I, I don't remember how the story goes. I was just there. But we got pulled over in Florida, and we were drunk in the car. The guy driving was sober. Everyone was being loud. And I was like, guys, listen. And by the way, I'm, I'm a big fucking loud drinking guy. I was like, everyone pull this shit together. We're in Florida. There's, things are very different here. Yeah. Like, if we, if we let on to the guy that we're drunk, we might go to jail. Yeah. Like, everyone. And they were like, what? I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> everyone shut the fuck up. No one yeah. be smart. We, we did, we, we're in trouble. We've earned this. Yeah. We're going. Okay. <laughs> But it's it's it really is a very fucking different place. But but I think that like, I moved to New York and then established a New York voice. Then moved to L.A. and had to figure out an L.A. voice. Yeah. And then it wasn't until I did the road that I figured out my voice. Yeah, and that's the thing is like you have to mix them. Yeah. Like there, I watched Greg Regal, who's a Greg. killer comic. Yeah, yeah. In New York, come to South Bend. 
and do his New York act in front of South Bend, and the first night just fucking struggled. Yeah, he didn't eat it. They paid attention, but they no one really laughed. Well, and then by the end of the week, he was doing his old road stuff, and it was working. And it was just because it was like, you know, the stuff he was doing was very New York-y stuff. And it was just Taxi like, cabs and subways and walking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and Puerto like, Ricans. you know what a sub... I mean, people in South Bend are aware that there's an invention called a subway. Yeah. And that they're prevalent in New York City, but they can't relate to it. There's no connection. I remember coming out to L.A. And our, the big thing when I started in New York was, like, talking about Puerto Ricans. Like, ever like... I remember. Can I just stop and say one of my favorite moments of our relationship was we were at the improv and you came up and you're like, what are you writing about lately? And I was like, I'm writing. I think I'm doing a bit about bras at this point. He goes, then you said, man, I just can't stop writing about black people. (laughs) (laughs) I fucking, to this day, one of my favorite moments at the improv. Man, I had I had a period where that is all I could write about. That's all I could fucking write about, and it was like it was, and I gotten so fucking good at it that I would I would write things that would only make black people laugh and white people didn't understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, I had like tapped in, and then I I was like, and then one one I don't know one weekend I got in trouble for a joke I had told, but it was innocuous. But oh, the okay. person that heard it didn't like it, oh, okay. and they and they got upset, and it, but it was, it was fucking. So it's, it's such an innocuous joke. I go, um, you want to hear something racist? They don't make baby powder for black people. Like, how offensive is that? When a black, when a white guy puts on baby powder, it just blends in. When a black guy puts uh, gets a rash, he's got to ghost ride the whip. Okay. And th- just the whole phrase, ghost ride the whip, yeah. upset a woman who came out and fucking complained. And was she black? Yeah, she was black. And, no. I, and then, and by, by the way, there's nothing racist about that joke. And no. The truth is, I ended up telling it to Warren Sapp. And he was like, yeah, we don't have a problem with baby powder because we don't sweat like you motherfuckers. He's like, every time I got to hug a white guy, I feel like I'm hugging a dolphin. <laughs> but, but, uh, but, but I remember coming to L.A. And, not, and, not, and being like, I don't, know how to, I don't know what to talk about out here. Yeah. And then I was like, I got to write jokes. And like, yeah. I, like, I have to write jokes. In New York, you just get up on stage. And there was, in the clubs you work downtown in the village, it was, there were always so many Puerto Rican people that you could just talk about. Rich Voss was fucking amazing. Yeah, he's like, you want to know the difference between us? You want to know the difference between us, Puerto Rican and Dominican? Socks. Like, <laughs> like, like fucking Voss was destroyed. Like he was so good at it. Yeah, and and Norton and Bobby Kelly and fucking Geraldo, they just had so much. They just go on stage and just make it up. And yeah. I remember I had to host for Drew Carey, and I was like, I didn't have any jokes. Yeah, like no, like set up. Like, hi, my name's Bert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. boy. Uber, huh? <laughs> Which, but subways, you're right. Like Greg Rogel, I had a ton of subway jokes, yeah. and they knew what a subway was, but they weren't like yeah. it wasn't like on the tip of their tongue the way it was to New Yorkers. Uh, yeah, because you have to have. I mean, that's what makes people laugh is like when they look at like it's so true. Yeah, like, that's where you get the big laughs. Like it's when they relate, and it's like yeah, I maybe I was on a subway once three years ago the last time. <laughs> I was in New York City, but it's not a thing. And you tell a joke, I'm like, yeah, okay. Yeah. (laughs) But it's got to be more, yeah. It's, And, but Greg's a hilarious comedian, and he started doing the jokes that he knew would work. And then, and the thing was, once he got him on his side, he could go back and do some of the New York stuff. And they would, and it would totally blow him away because they would be with him. But when you're just up there, and you know, 
you're in Indiana and you come up and you've got a New York accent, they're already kind of like this motherfucker. Yeah. And then, but once you get them laughing, it's like this, this boy's funny. Yeah. This boy's, I like this boy. Well, then you start telling some weird New York jokes. It was like, yeah, I've been there once now. Oh, yeah. You tell it like it is. Yeah. So. No, wait, what did, so did you, you went, did you go featuring to Funny Bones to Last Comic Standing to then touring Funny Bones? Uh, yeah, like I was, I was a feature and they knew I could headline. So I ended up working with a lot of, like, I used to open for John Witherspoon, Tommy Davidson and Ari Spears pretty much all the time. Really? Because all the white comics brought, and I opened for Earthquake once, but that we, we've been friends. Oh, I still on the phone call. Shit. Uh. And but yeah, I opened for a lot of black comics that wanted wide openers. Earthquakes got, by the way, I'll tell you this very quickly. Earthquakes got a connection in my history as well, a yeah. very strong one, because we did a we did a, a, a showcase for ICM. Earthquake was with ICM, and he went second in the showcase. And none of the white comics would follow him. None of them wanted to follow him. Yeah. And I remember I had a joke. I only had one joke. That I had an opening joke though. My name's Bert. Hot sexy name. What do you do? Porn. Now it's the last thing you want to hear during sex. Uh uh uh. Bert Bert Bert. Yeah, yeah. And then I remember if if I could do that joke, if I had a black person in the in the room, I would say, "Call me that person's name." So earthquake goes up and destroys. Everyone's scrambling. No one's going after him. And I knew that if I told my joke and said, "Call me earthquake," the fucking room would explode. So I go, I'll go after him. And I destroyed. I ended up getting a deal out of that showcase. Nice. Because I followed earthquake, and I to this day. I, I still think every time I think him, I think I think fondly of like that guy. It's it's his success that got me successful. <laughs> well, so wait, so you open for Earthquake? I opened for Earthquake in like I think at Wiley's. Yeah, like, it was like a like one of the. B- you just opened with Black Comics because you were because you were because crossover funny. I was yeah, I was funny and I wasn't afraid of black audiences. Yeah, like I remember the Earthquake shows being super funny because the host was was marginal, and then. <laughs> So I would just go up and like make fun of him a couple of times, and just they would love me. And I remember one time this dude showed up, and like, oh, Saturday night, dude showed up like ready for church, like three piece suit, whatever. Yeah. And it was loud, and it was right during the pimp my ride thing. And I'm like, give it up for John, everybody. You'll see him next week on pimp my suit. <laughs> PlayStation's in the pants. <laughs> And, then, and it was just uh, there was only one. I think the Sunday show didn't go so great because it was the older black folk. Yeah, and they were just. And I was back then. I was super goofy. Yeah, like I wasn't as, I, for lack of a better word, angry as I am on stage now. So, like they didn't really dig the goofy white kid as much. But yeah. most of the shows went really well. So and and so then you go. So I did that, and then. So, yeah, and then I would headline, like, the Wednesday and the Sunday. Yeah, I did that. Yeah, and, you know, 14 people would show up, and it would be all right. It would be great you get, like, a Kevin Pollock weekend or a Louis C.K. weekend who only want to do Friday, Saturday. And you could make a grand instead of 700 or something. So it was like, okay, I'm making some better money. And so that was a lot. And then, yeah, once I got last comic, that solidified me as a headliner for, you know, I don't, I mean... I don't think you're ever until you get to Seinfeldian status. I don't yeah. think you're ever solidified because two years of you not doing shit and you're featuring again. Yeah. So I learned that real quick. I mean, I never went back to feature, but after last comic, 
you know, you're young and you're stupid. You're like, oh, I'm set. Yeah. Last comic standing. I did a Comedy Central Presents. I'm just, I'm easy. Like, yeah. I'm going to work for the rest of my life. And then you don't. <laughs> really? Well, yeah. Well, like, there had to be a little bit of cuntiness. And I only say this because I remember there was one club that I worked at in Sacramento, Last Unlimited. Yeah. Where they knew me as a feature. Yeah. And they would never see me as anything other than a feature. Yeah. Even when I headlined, they'd say stuff to me like, they'd say stuff they'd never say to a headliner. Yeah. And they'd just say really shitty things. Not the owner, oddly enough, but like one of the managers just, just, hey, uh, don't, don't mention the wait staff. That headliners don't do that. Like, like, she knew what it was to be to have. Oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, And I was like, wait, what are you talking about? Because no, like, that's exactly what a headliner does. Yeah. You have to give them props or credit. So, yeah, it was, there, yeah, there was always the clubs that were just like, hey, look, you're doing pretty good now. But then I, I kind of had an attitude, too. Like, I remember going to Go Bananas and signing something like, remember when I was broke and you were a dick? Like, <laughs> which was true. Like, Mikey used to be a dick, and yeah. then he grew up as we all did and he kind of opened up a little bit and became a little bit more of a person and then i used to be broken at the time i was making a lot of money so it was funny but it was like yeah i obviously had an attitude about it but. and then what happened did you and you just you did like one did you do a did you do a tour after last comic stand last yeah with a black dude right no we did a uh, tie but we also did like the theater there were four of us that did a tour um that our eight like there was no real last comic standing tour like I couldn't remember what our tour was called really but it was like the legends of comedy starring the stars of last comic standing who's on it uh, Josh Blue Ty Barnett and it was just it depended on what the buyer wanted like sometimes it would be me Ty and Josh sometimes it would just be Josh and Ty sometimes it'd be all five you know the five finalists there was one show or a few shows where it's just me and Josh yeah it was just whatever. Because it wasn't a, our tour is the reason there is a last comic standing tour. Yeah. Because we made so much money. I remember going to the roast for the next season and Pete Angle pulled me aside and he was like, if I would have known how much money you guys were going to make on that tour, I would have signed you. Really? Because we made so much money on that tour. Holy shit. Like I remember one month I made more that month. No, strike that. I made more in a week. That I made the year previous. Are you fucking serious? I'm not fucked because I did like three colleges and. Like, and you, oh my God, you must have been destroying colleges at that time. Oh, at that time I was crushing them. And like, and like everywhere I went, I was making a sh- Like, you would just look at the check and just laugh. And then, but then, then that, you know, and you think all those people are going to stay because I put on. And, not only that, during the tour, I was doing 20 brand new minutes that was crushing Yeah. to kind of let the audience know, hey, keep coming to see me and I'll keep putting on good shows. Yeah. And, but like anything, you know, the last comic standing crowd is more of, there are comedy fans in there, but 70% of them are just that American Idol vibe that saw like, you on tv want to see saw you, you on tv they want to see you live but they're not going to come see you at a comedy club they probably don't even know there's a comedy club in their town really yeah and also it pays to win like it's really weird how like it like look at all of the win except for ralphie may who should have should have won yeah like all the winners are way more known 
than the losers. Is it is is that though? Is that almost like a blessing in disguise though? Yeah, I kind of think so. Because um, isn't it cool now? Where like I almost guarantee that that when Kid Rock discovered you, he never heard you on Last Comic. Oh Friday. no, never. And that's fine. And it's it's definitely a goal of mine to get to a point in my career that where people are like, oh, and he was on Last Comic Stand. I wanted that to be like that for the Rolling Stone article and the Van Wilder shit. I, I like, and I think it is. Yeah. I, I always bums me out when people bring that up first about me. Yeah. I always want to go. No, 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 no. It's comedy. Comedy first. Yeah. Television <laughs> yeah. second. Wrote a book. Podcast. Yeah. yeah. There's. Like, I did like, a lot of. Other I, shit. Yeah. I want. Like, I actually did nothing about the Van Wilder shit. Like that just happened to me. Like. Yeah. I don't even want that. Like, but I listened to some guy, to this weekend, talking about me as I was taking a picture of somebody. Yeah. And then someone was like, who is he? And he just described me as the fucking Van Wilder. And I was like, ugh. Like, but but, yeah. but everyone's going to connect with the thing they connect with. You can't stop them. And the fact that they're connecting at all is fucking fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's just weird how we micromanage it in our head, you know? Like, <laughs> no, I want to be a comedian. 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 He's a comedian. The best comedian I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> Sir. Sir. <laughs> so, but yeah. Um, and then, you know. Last comic, that whole phase ended, and then the economy crashed. So everybody's money, everybody across the board got, no, let me, let me, writer strike, then economy, because when the writer strike hit, all of these comics that were, everyone took a step back, it seemed like, like all the, like all the movie stars started doing TV, and all the TV stars started doing clubs again. Yup. And so. I remember my deal, I remember, I, I mean, I'll give you exact numbers. I was making, I was making, two thousand dollars a weekend at clubs. Yeah, to headline, and I had maybe twenty clubs I worked, twenty three clubs I worked. Yeah, and then right when the economy class, I remember where I was sitting, and I remember they called and they said, "Listen, they're offering you the same amount of clubs, but they've brought it down to fifteen hundred. Yeah, the economy's economy's doing hard, and I was like, and they're like, you can take it or not take it. Yeah. The deal's not changing, so you not taking it's not going to fix that. Yeah, so yeah, you yeah. can either have it or not have it. We're just being Clamp. I got the same speech, except I was making three grand at the time, so it was like a huge hit. Yeah, and I remember. I also remember being on, and I remember calling Todd Leinenbach and just being like, "What's the deal?" And and I didn't get the same number of clubs. Like I got like they're like they're offering you eight clubs, and it's fifteen hundred dollars a piece. And I was just like, "Oh, so I need to go apply at some Radio Shacks." And I, some- I, dude. I, that's a, the exact thought I had. Yeah. I remember I was sitting on our bed in our loft in our apartment and I leaned back and I was like, wait, does this mean I need to get a job? Yeah. Like, do I need to get a job? And Which, I remember saying to Leanne, like my wife, I go, I go, I'm like, what am I doing? If I like, yeah. and I, I really thought to myself, I need to get a fucking job because on the days I'm here, I could be working. And Absolutely. then, and my wife's like, my wife, this is the fucking greatest wife in the fucking world. She's like, no, the reason I have a job is so you can follow your dreams. Follow your dreams, stay on track, write when you're not here, work on other projects, you need to be available for TV shows, you can book TV shows, and then I just took, I took any pilot, and during this time I probably did maybe 20 just really like just basic cable pilots, where they're like, we just need someone to stand there, hold up the bunny and go, isn't this bunny fluffy as fuck, and, and do that like four or five times, and talk to people on the street. And I was like, five grand for a pilot was my rate, I got it to like 10 grand by the by the time i got to finally to like getting on television yeah. it was like a 10 grand was a rate for like a you could get me for like a weekend to do a pilot yeah. but i just did a ton of those fucking bullshit pilots uh, yeah well i didn't have well see my agency dropped me apa dropped me 
As soon as, soon as it got somewhat difficult to book me. Does that fucking make you crazy? Because you, here you are writing. You're touring the country. Yeah. You are presenting brand new material to all these people. And then all of a sudden, it's just like the people that B decide that you're... It's yeah. not because you weren't selling tickets. It's they just decide... Yeah, no, well, the thing was, my guy, my agent at the time was all theaters and didn't know anything and didn't do clubs. Yeah. So instead of passing me off to someone, they just dropped me. And so then my manager, and then my ma- I was signed with a heavy manager, and then I ended up, no one told me, his manager, his assistant got promoted, and now I was his assistant's client. No one, no one asked me. Oh, until I was I like, had that happen. I was like, hey, I need to talk to Dave about this. And he was like, well, what do you need to talk to Dave about? I'm like, because he's my manager. He's like, no, I'm your manager now. And I'm like, oh, no one fucking asked me about this shit. And not that's only that. Something, that, that there should be a word for that because that happens in this business. It's called so bamboozled. <laughs> and so, and I'm like, and he was a friend at this point. So I'm like, yeah, it, but he wasn't good. Yeah. Like, he wasn't, like, I... I was at the Mon- I was at a Montreal Comedy Fest showcase, and I was drunk, and I'd done well, and so and I was doing this thing all the time where because so many people would tap me on the shoulder, and I would do this thing where I would turn, I go, I don't like to be touched, and then I'd turn back around and then be like, just fucking with you, right? yeah. Well, when I turned around, this guy was gone, and uh, I didn't even see who it was. And I was like, oh, fuck. Oh, well. So then I go home, and Brian Baldinger, no, Brian somebody calls me. And he's like, what did you do? And I was like, what do you mean what I do? He's like, did you tell somebody not to touch you? I was like, yeah, who was that? I turned around and, like, say I was fucking with him, and he was gone. He was like, it was the guy that books Montreal, or booked Montreal at the time. And he took it super personal and was super upset about it. And so I call my manager like, hey, I fucked up. Uh, I need to make amends. And I was like, because I didn't mean it. I was just fucking. I didn't even see who it was. Yeah. And he was like, oh, yeah, I'll get on it. And he called me. He's like, no, I don't know what you're talking about. Everything, everybody says this, everything's fine. I'm like, great. Two years later, I'm like, hey, I didn't get a Montreal showcase. He was like, yeah, that guy's still mad about that thing. And I was like, and you're fired. So then I fired him. And then. uh so yeah, so then like 2010, you're just like, what the fuck am I doing? Like, I didn't have a manager. I didn't have an agent. I didn't, you know, I'm living out here. I had gigs. Yeah. But they were few and far between. And so luckily I found a man, a new manager. Uh, Eric Abrams left the improv and went to generate and I, he signed me. And Eric Abrams, he, Eric Abrams. I hope someone shares this with him. Yeah. I think he's one of the more insightful people in this business. I think he's one of the greatest people in this business. He really is one of the fucking, one, one of the fucking people that is, and I'm not saying that there are, I'm not saying that, I'm not comparing him to anyone, I'm not saying anyone's name, I'm just saying that Eric isn't a leech, he is a friend to every fucking comic, he wants your vision on stage, he wants your vision on the thing, he yeah. wants the best for you, he's not trying to steal from you, he's just a fucking great guy, he's starting his own production company. I'd work with him in a heartbeat. Yeah. I'd work with him in a fucking heartbeat. If he said, I got an idea. I know you're not going to like it. I'd just be like, I don't care. I'll fucking do it. Yeah. And I feel the exact same way. Yeah. And so, uh, but yeah, long story short, I got a new manager, a new agent, and someone with a vision and who knew what they could do with a guy like me. That's so fucking 
That's the thing that makes me crazy in this business because there's not one part of your career that I haven't been like, oh, I know where he belongs. Like, no. yeah, fucking, you're, dude, you, sh- I, I fucking, I can see you, I can see you every theater in the country that is a cool theater. The 40 watt fucking yeah. sold it. Like, I see you in a heartbeat. And I feel like I, you could do clubs. There's so you're so fucking versatile as a comic that there's yeah. a million things you could do. I th- I think so too. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah. So, but it was just about finding a guy that was like, all right, we need to get you a special. We need to get you know, we need to get your voice out there. We yeah. need, people need to remember who Chris Porter is and all that stuff. So, you know, because. You know, when the Comedy Central Presents came out, I thought that was going to be another Last Comic Standing. Like, yeah. Last Comic Standing first came out, like, literally the next day, I got phone calls like, your life's changing, and you're about to make ten times. Like, the offers I got were literally ten times the money I was making the day before. <laughs> and you were just like, fuck, this is awesome. So when, when I did Comedy Central Presents, I was like, Next day, I'm just like, that thing is going to be on fire. Let's charge this up the night yeah. before. <laughs> my manager didn't My manager didn't even call to say, I saw it, congrats. <laughs> like, nobody called. Literally, you, <laughs> You're going to your landline, calling your cell phone. Yeah, is it working? It's still working. It's still working. Also, why do I have a landline? I've, do that, <laughs> I've, done, that, I've done that with. With the YouTube videos, <laughs> right? Put up a YouTube video. I'm like, still at 103 hits. You know what? I bet the server's shut down yeah. and it's not registering. That's how many hits it's gonna get. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I've done that before. Oh, uh, like, yeah. So it was like, <laughs> <laughs> this thing will be ringing. I wonder if I should place it on a pillow. I don't yeah, want yeah. it. To, <laughs> it's gonna be. I better vibrating. take the case off. It's gonna need to breathe. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. So yeah, and it's so like it was funny. It was like. Last comic standing happened, and then it was just fucking kicking the balls after kicking the ball, which was fine. Like, yeah. I needed that, because I was out here six months when I got last comic. Yeah, but you weren't walking around with your dick in your hand, slapping it on tables. No, but I also am glad I have the... Pre- and you know what was weird? Like, even during the last comic standing stuff, I was like, this isn't going to last. Yeah. Like, even I remember being in the back of a theater with Reggie Watts, who we were doing a college theater. Going, this is, there's going to be some dark times ahead. Like, I just felt it. Like, you don't, you don't just move out to L.A. and become the biggest, not the biggest, but you don't. You don't just come out here and just keep going up and up and up. uh, Unless you're Howie Mandel. And even, but even then, like, he had a decade where no one gave a fuck. I feel like, I feel like you need, I feel like you need, uh, like, I was like that. I, I had the fucking deal and then another deal that followed the next year yeah. and i've been now i've been doing comedy a, a year and six months yeah, yeah, yeah and i'm in my second deal and i'm a, i do a sitcom pilot i have my own tv show i get my next own tv show and i remember feeling like i remember feeling like and patrice had told me this one night when we were in scotland that i had no foundation that i didn't have anything to fall back on because i'd barely done stand-up yeah and i was like and i was like i need to be humble i need i need to get to a place where i'm actually humble again so that i can work hard because i'm so humble yeah, and and that is that happened to me when I honestly and I it it's still happening I think a little bit but like I when I started when I went back to the club started hosting at the Improv and hosting in LA is not like hosting in New York's a good thing that yeah. means you get the most stage time hosting in LA means that you're the worst comic in the room 
Back then it did. And yeah, so yeah. I took hosting gigs, and I remember, I remember my wife's best friend at the time, who's a fucking cunt, this girl. She said to me, I invited everyone out, and I hosted, and I remember her saying, she, she barely knew anything about stand-up. She said, next time you invite us out, make sure you're doing a real show. <laughs> and I went, I was like, in my head, I was like, that's what I thought, you know? Yeah, yeah. But I didn't, I didn't think anyone would notice that like I was just hosting, and I was doing 10 minutes up front, and then bringing people up and... I thought yeah. it was a great show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Daniel Tosh was on it. Yeah. Fucking Drew Carey, Zach Galifianakis. I'm also, like, also, fuck you. Did you have a good time? Yeah. <laughs> and I remember I remember saying that. Next time you invite us out, I, we'd like to see you do stand-up. Do, do like, a real show. And yeah. I was like, fuck. Yeah. Just destroying my ego. All parts of my ego destroyed. And then even those those headlining years where you're making, where they bring your money back, and you, and I had two kids, I couldn't say no. Yeah. And I, was, I wasn't making any fucking money. Yeah. I mean, you pay managers and agents and taxes and flights and spend yeah, yeah, money yeah. and i and that's selling merchandise wasn't cool then yeah. and just being like fuck and then you get, I, I still feel like that though now it's like when uh, what's the thing that switches it and and does it last forever yeah you know it nothing i don't the only thing i think lasts forever are movies and sitcoms because and the reason i think that is Polly shore still sells tickets and that guy hasn't done shit in fucking since 92. Yeah, I don't, is he writing? I mean, I writing like in what facet? Like comedy? <laughs> like he goes up and tells stories and you know, <laughs> this is the thing. It Polly and I have had a sorted hit. He fired me like 3 times when I was on the road. Really? Well, because his show used to be he would bring his three guys that would do like 5 minutes a piece. Yeah. And then they would book a local feature or a feature. And then Polly would come on. Well, the club started booking me in front of him because Paul, the show was weak. Yeah. And they'd be like, well, we'd have this strong feature. And this is how it worked every night, Tampa and Nashville, both places he fired me. First night, feature for Polly. Crush. Next night, I would I would have a meeting with the manager and Polly, and Polly would be like, bro, we're just so similar. So we're going to have you go up like second and do – and basically, I ended up just doing a guest spot and then getting paid the same, which whatever. Yeah. And then by Saturday, I would, I would just be fired. And, and so then I showed up to L.A. And then I kind of left the comedy store alone and eventually was, went to the comedy store and saw Polly, and he was afraid of me. Like he would, he would, at one point, Polly Shore walked up to me and goes, can I be your friend? Or can we just be friends? or something?" Because he knew. And, you know, we just finally had a conversation where I came to a point in my life where I was trying to get rid of hatred in my heart. And I just walked up to him and I was like, I don't hate you anymore. I don't want to be your friend. But yeah. We're cool. And so we've always been cool ever since. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I don't know what, why I was started telling this. Story. Well, it's amazing how much it means to a young comic when someone above you when you go in to work with them and instead of getting the compliment you were looking for yeah. you get a hey can you please leave yeah yeah you I did dislike your, job your comedy too well. but but it's it's it, they, they, they don't say that no one says like yeah. no one fires you and says hey man just giving you a heads up you're so talented i'm having a hard time following you yeah. and it's making my job a little harder and i'd appreciate if you if like i'll pay you out but i can't, i'm 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 eating my ass after you yeah. and then you'd be like well, hang on, wait. How can I fix this? Because I want to work with you. Absolutely. Let me tell me what I can do. I'll I'll do I'll work on new stuff. You know who did that? Nick DiPaolo did that 
he was very cool about it because like Nick DePaulo was his lounge lizards was the first comedy special that my friends and I repeated. Yeah. Uh, and so when he finally came to Kansas City, and I was well, Nick DePaulo is also a fucking grown man who's taken a punch to the face and punched people in the face. Yeah. And so there's no there's no bullshit like Hollywood dance he's gonna do. No, I walked off stage my first set after, and I told him before he came up on stage or before he before we did the show, I was like, "You're one of my." all-time favorites this is a really cool thing for me to open for and i just want to say thanks and he was like oh man thanks i went up and I did my show and paul and nick to paul is waiting for me at the end of the runway and he goes you like opening for me i said yeah he goes good because it's never gonna fucking happen again <laughs> and i'm like what he goes dude you're too funny he's like i've been doing this shit for too long to have to follow that we're gonna have a fun week this week we're gonna yeah. have a great week yeah but no no, don't I, don't think you're going on the road with me because yeah. I don't need this. So much respect for that dude because yeah. he made me feel good about. He was like, "You're great. I don't need this." Yeah, and totally respect him ever since then. And that kind of happened to me. Like Michael uh, Michael Malone opened for me. Mike in, Malone, in, I know Mike Malone. Incredibly funny, incredibly clean, uh, and he crushed in front of me for like a week. Didn't complain. Just got my ass handed to me. The first night I walked out, you know, I didn't know who the kid was. I just see this good-looking kid. I'm like, you're not funny. Yeah. And uh, I'm eating dinner. I'm like, I'm going to just go make sure we're not doing any of the same bits and stuff. And I walk out, and he's, like, talking about how it's hard to poke a shark in the eye because they're on the side of its heads and doing this. I'm like, we're fine. So he's crushing. And I'm like, I just need to let this audience know that shit's changed. And so I walked out on stage, and I didn't even say give it up for the other comics. I was like, I don't even remember what I said, but it was fucking terrible. What was it? Oh, man, I wish I remembered the line, but it was fucking pretty out there. and kind of. But I remember there was no reaction. I just said it, and there was a good four seconds of just, like, nothing. Yeah. And then finally a girl goes... Boo! Oh my and I'm God. like, oh no. And so I just, it took me 15 minutes. So finally, what I would have to do after a set, I would walk out on stage and give it up for Mike Malone. Yeah. You know, that is a good, clean cut. He's funny. He didn't say one curse word. That is the kind of guy you want to introduce to your father. I date girls who don't have dads. <laughs> That's a great fucking yeah. line. And then, but it, oh, and, and then you got your fucking And then the audience ring. was like, and we're on. Yeah. And so then the show would go well. But yeah. you, I just had to, I guess Ohio just did, they're not into the subtleties. <laughs> <laughs> like you really have to just lead them into it going, shit's changed. I've been hurt. Yeah. So <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. I've, I've, Tommy Jonigan handed my ass to me when, when I was, I was like headlining thought i got it locked yeah fucking i destroy i'm from la who yeah. the fuck is this child yeah, where, yeah, yeah. Where, where, did your dad drop you off yeah where, what time are they picking you up doesn't drink drinking ice water eating clean with his notebook in the back yeah. and i was like and i was sitting back and i said so where are you from he said fucking st louis yeah st louis and i went okay All right, good yeah. luck buddy we're penguins and he's just up there just murdering uh all i remember him doing the joke about uh I had an ugly stripper. She asked me what I what what she wanted me to take off. I said my glasses, and I fucking was like, "Okay, I'm gonna have a hard time." <laughs> and I literally went up, and they had a 
they used to put a couch for exclusive seating right in the front row. Oh, okay. So you could sit on the couch in the front row, and the, one of those people fell asleep during my show. And I was like, I watched her go from, like, Glove and Tommy to just... And I was like, motherfucker. Yeah. And, and I, was, I remember saying... And then there's a way you can handle that. You can either go, hey, Tommy, you're fired. Like, yeah, yeah, you're yeah. a dick. You're an asshole. I don't like you. How dare you? How dare you? Get, get the fuck... Beat it. Oh, uh, yeah. Asshole. Or you can be like... What I did was like, dude, you're funny as fucking shit. And I was like... I was like, what am I doing wrong? <laughs> yeah. And Tommy and I just sat and hung out. He didn't drink at the time. And we just talked comedy, talked about what we liked. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and I was like, and that, still a friend of mine to this day. Yeah, well, there's not a, he's one of the better dudes in comedy. He is one of the better dudes and one of the funnier dudes in comedy, too. Well, even this last week in Tampa, Mike Paramore is featured, and he's featured for him before. He keeps getting better and better. And there were a few shows last time where I was like, well, fuck, I was going to phone this one in. Yeah. But now I got to You need work. that, though. You need the people in front of you that really uh, step do. up their game. Not all the time. Because, look, there's a lot of late show Saturdays where I'm like, hey, can you please take some off the fastball just yeah. so I can fucking. Well, and it's also about, like, I don't care if you're super funny. And, th- and that's what's great about Mike is that he's a big black dude. Yeah. And, but he, he doesn't do, like, the normal stereotypical black guy stuff. Yeah. So it's like when I come up on stage – it's obviously a completely different point of view. Yeah. I approach comedy a different way. Uh, but then it's like, I just don't, the only time where I'm like, why did this kid book, they booked this kid with me, is like when we're so similar. Yeah. When it, obviously he's seen a few of my specials. Or, or you know what, okay, here's what I hate. This is what I can't stand, is when they book someone who has the competition in their head and is going to try to outsell me in merch, out, oh, yeah. outposition themselves where the merch booth is. Oh, yeah. Well, that's, my that's when up. I pull my dick out. I'm oh, like, yeah. hey, I'm the headliner, so this is how we're going to – I'm going to be the – we're going to do two separate tables. Yeah. And I'm going to be first. Yeah. I'm going to be the first person they see when they come out because it's my show. You can be over there. Yeah, I, that, I haven't had that happen in a long time. I don't think – I just think – but I, I, I think because – I don't know why it hasn't happened in a long time. I haven't really – but – there was a period where you'd go in and you'd work with a guy, and he had uh, three shirts, five CDs, uh, two yeah. DVDs, yeah. some buttons and I, stickers, and he'd and he'd definitely been on the road a while. Are you the Grateful Dead? Yeah. <laughs> like what is wrong? Yeah, and that that's the other thing is like, uh, yeah, just don't. I forgot what I was going to say. You 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 clued me in on something. Uh not just the mer but it's all oh ask me yeah ask me if you can sell i'm always gonna say yes yep but when you don't ask me it fucking pisses me off when you just assume when i come off stage and it's and, just there and the host and this is what i fucking i've had this happen the host is like keep it going for your headliner and how about how about Chris McBuckets. Chris McBuckets was your feature act. He's going to be selling merchandise out there. Yeah, Make yeah. sure to stop by and get one of his shirts. He's got three DVDs, two CDs. Yeah. Make sure to see Chris McBuckets. And thank you guys for coming out. It's like, no, no, oh, no, 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 no. I didn't just pitch my shit and then you pitch the host shit or the feature shit. Yeah. That that used to drive me nuts. I haven't had it in a while, but I haven't – I hadn't – I don't know. I mean, I guess – I don't know. Maybe I – I've gotten a little disconnected with merch. Like if – yeah. Like I've just been disconnected uh, entirely in stand up. Like I feel like I do the show, I sell the merch, and it, I don't even notice these days if anyone's selling merch. Also, <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
yeah the only time i notice it is when it's like you said it's like the i've got 18 different things oh yeah like if it stands out and i think those guys are getting weeded out of the business in a weird way or at least they're not getting put with me oh well, yeah and or those those are the guys that end up doing the b rooms and the c rooms and that, those are the guys that the guy that's headlining now like i don't even know who the young headliners are right now but the guy who's headlining now they get put, put with that guy yeah, like that's it's it's those things where it's like these almost like a predator thing where these m- mediocre middle acts that used to headline get really fucking pissy. Is that is there mold in that bowl? Is that mold right there or are those rocks? Where is that right here? Right there. Is that mold? It might be dust. It's OK. Not, it's anyway, not sorry. I'm my fucking I'm like a barracuda anyway. But those are the guys a predator. They're like, ooh, ooh, put me with uh with yeah. um. Johnny Johnny Davidson, the new kid that no one's heard of. Put yeah. me with them. What I'll do is I'll blow them away Tuesday, when Thursday, and then you'll have me headline on the weekend. Yeah, and then, yeah, yeah. And that guy's got to deal with a fucking nightmare all weekend. Absolutely. And by the way, you're not. They're not going to switch you. P.S. I've only been switched. I got switched once, uh, and it was I got I was featuring and Greg. It was one of Greg Hahn's first headline spots, and he hadn't really figured out the character yet. Yeah. Greg Hahn now can go into any room and destroy, but this was 10 years ago. Yeah. And he came up, and it was a, it was deja vu in Columbia, which is a weird fucking room. Yeah. Like, I don't think I would still get booked at deja vu if I hadn't started there. Like, with the comedy that I currently do. Yeah. Uh, so, Greg gets up there, and he does this thing, and they just weren't buying into it. And the next day, like, I walk in, and... Greg won't even really talk to me, and I and the manager's like, "Can I talk to you for a second? And we got switched, and it took a long, t- you know, you know. Now Greg and I are good friends and stuff, but and now, but to see Greg now is just oh, I I said, I like a fucking idiot. I didn't even know what I did. It's like one of those things where you fuck up. Yeah, where it's like where I I saw him in Louisville. I was in Louisville, and I saw him sitting at a table at my show. And I went, what the fuck's Greg Hahn doing on my show? Yeah. I walk over, I go, hey, Greg. And he goes, hey, man. I said, what are you doing? He goes, I was passing through, girlfriend or girl. Yeah. Thought we'd come and see your show. And I said, dude, you got to do a guest set. And he's like, nah, I'm okay. I said, no, come on, do a guest set. And he's like, I don't I don't think I'm good. And I said, dude, it, please, just do like five minutes, five minutes. And he's like, all right. And so I tell the feature act, I go, hey, you're not going to be able to follow him. Yeah. So why don't you go put him in between me and you? As in, like, didn't yeah, even realize yeah. I couldn't follow him either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like, no, like he goes up, he does 10 minutes, murders, murders. And literally, I get on stage and I'm like, wait, how do I follow that energy? Like, yeah, I literally yeah. am like, oh, I've been following feature acts. I haven't followed a headliner in a long time. And he's like, and, and now they're on his page. And I'm like, uh, how do I get him back? Fucking, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Drinks the beer on the side of his cheek. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're like you just walking through. You're right. You shouldn't have done. Yeah. What you the should. fuck? It's so funny. All right, I got therapy right now. All right, dude. I fucking love you, man. Love I you think, too, brother. I I, I want to say by the way, you caught me at the most ego involved point of my life, God where I'm damn. trying to get past people to get yeah, in the first like, class. <laughs> and this is yesterday at the airport, and just in perfect comedic cadence, fucking Chris is in behind. He goes, Bert, we get it. You're in first class. <laughs> just get, go. Just get on the fucking plane. <laughs> 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 it was the fucking best. Oh, oh thank you, Chris. Hey, it, promote something. What do you have oh, to promote? Uh, I my Netflix special, Ugly and Angry. Hang on, one second, hang on one second. Hang on one second. Hang on one second. Do it. This is for my vlog. Okay. Okay. My uh, my Netflix ahead. special, Ugly and Angry. Yeah. And then I will be 
at uh, La Jolla Comedy Store, uh, the 13th and 14th of November, and Ontario, California, twenty uh, the weekend of Thanksgiving. Fuck yes, man. I appreciate you doing this. Oh, thanks for having me, I'm, brother. I'm just fucking... I literally, and I've told you this because I feel like this is true with guys like myself, you, and Earthquake. Yeah. Just continued success because I feel like someday, like, it just, it just, that's how the universe should work. Yeah. I fucking love you, man. Thanks. Love you too, man. This episode was brought to you by The Machine.